Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Movies. I am your host, Daniel Berrios. And before I explain what today's episode is, a little story time. Last December, my best friend Dakota messages me on Facebook. And it's only the context of a picture. And it's of a platinum blonde, bearded, trench coat, donning badass, Mark Hamill. Something in the caption says, wow, can we talk about how badass or how hard as fuck Mark Hamill looks here? Dakota messages me afterwards and says, do this review. And of course, I never back down from a challenge. So for my best friend Dakota, in the year of our Lord, 2023, March 18th, I'm here talking about Steven Lisberger's 1989 sci-fi flick. Slipstream. Slipstream, the future. A river of turbulent wind has swept the skies and nature has reclaimed the planet. In the desolate wasteland that remains, a mysterious fugitive is pursued and captured by a brutal lawman and his feisty trucker. When a wily bounty hunter grabs their prisoner. What the hell happened here? Mr. Rowan here thinks he's gonna take our prisoner. They vow to track him to the edge of existence. Poison Now drop the gun and we'll talk about getting you the antidote. I never believe a man staring down the barrel of a gun. <laughs> well, you should this time. Now, it's a race against time across dangerous territory. This is forbidden territory. What are you doing? You're under arrest. Dollar. Oh, <laughs> show them what we got, boys. This is what hell is. You're stuck in a place like this forever. I can help you. A battle of wits in an unknown land. I'll give you the antidote. Then I'll shoot you. That's what I like. Teamwork. A sense of fair play. You've misled them about us. So how can we know you're not misleading us about them? Go to hell! It's our next stop! A test of courage under fire. I should kill you right now is what I should do. And this time there will be no prisoners. I'm not leaving with you. Slipstream. I hope the trailer gave you a sense of what Slipstream is about because before I really talk about what it's about, I kind of have to explain who's in it because it the pedigree a professional that's in this movie is really something to behold. So 1989, Steven Lisberger is best known as director and co-writer of the original Tron, which, you know, if you've known anything, it's kind of like this cult hit that got a Joseph Kaczynski mention or Joseph Kaczynski sequel in 2010. So if you wanted a way to connect, uh, Steven Lisberger with Tom Cruise and a Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. You've got your pick right there. But that guy's in the director's chair. As far as people who are in the movie, you've got the aforementioned Mark Hamill. Really doesn't need any introduction, but I mean, fucking Star Wars. Fucking the Joker. Like That's enough for me to recommend this person to you. Uh, you've got Bob Peck in it, who people best know as like the raptor hunter from Jurassic Park. You've got motherfucking Bill Paxton from Aliens in this. If you want to talk about the guy who's uh, 
one of the producers in this movie, Gary Kurtz, he's produced a lot of stuff with George Lucas. Like, he produced Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, American Graffiti. He's even produced, like, Return to Oz and The Dark Crystal. And you've got another guy like Steve Lanning who helped, I believe, produce the movie. Co-producer. And he was assistant director on Episode 5 and Superman and Gandhi. If we're talking about uh, the people who wrote, who edited the movie, Terry Rawlings. He's been in sound he's been part of like the sound department uh for a lot of stuff like mainly uh The Duelist which was really Scott's first movie but here's a couple of the movies this guy has edited uh Motherfucking Alien and Blade Runner big Ridley Scott collaborator and I'm focusing on the sci-fi for a reason uh you've got a guy like Brian Johnson who's worked on special effects for stuff like Star Wars Episode Five and Aliens. Like, this is... These are heavy hitters with sci-fi. And my favorite, personally, because I fell in love with the score as soon as I heard this movie, Elmer Bernstein, who scored Airplane, An American Werewolf in London, motherfucking Ghostbusters. So as I talk about this, oh, did I forget to mention, by the way, Ben Kingsley, F. Murray Abraham, Robbie Coltrane, motherfucking Hagrid from Harry Potter all play a little part in this movie. With that amount of pedigree, you'd think that this movie is genuinely following in the oeuvre of the stuff that works before it, that it's one of the best movies ever made. And it's so frustrating to me that it's not. I feel like this movie has so many ideas. It's on one hand dealing with sort of this environmental apocalypse tragedy where we have fucked ourselves over to the point where nature got revenge by using this river of wind. That's what they describe it called the slipstream. And it, along with earthquakes and floods, has basically decimated what we knew of Earth. And the only way people can get around is by taking this sort of super highway river of wind. And they fly like these little single flyer planes or like the kind of old school stuff you see like dads and grandpas fuck around with, you know, in those kinds in those kinds of uh, neighborhoods. Like if you're not quite in the country, but not quite in the city, like there will be these air enthusiasts that just like collect planes and fly them around and shit, you know, rich motherfucker shit. But that's the kind of stuff they're flying around. And the beginning of the movie opens with Bob Peck playing Byron, who is such a bizarre-looking sight. He's standing in the middle of a field, a mountainous field, in a full dress suit. And this plane is chasing him. It looks a little bit like an X-Wing mixed with one of the dragonfly hoppers from Avatar. And inside piloting is Mark Hamill, and who, alongside his partner, who's played by Kitty Aldridge, they're bounty hunters who have to hunt this guy down. Apparently, Byron... Uh, committed murder and so they're taking him in but the opening sequence is just this really weird nod to north by northwest if you've seen the movie or even if you haven't if you've seen a frame of this movie you probably know what i'm talking about when you see it but that shit's going down later in the movie bill paxton shows up who's kind of this loner scruffy fuck up type of guy 
and decides to fuck with Mark Hamill and Kitty Aldridge by taking their bounty. And so most of the movie is spent with Bill Paxton and Bob Peck just in this weird kind of like uncomfortable situation to where Bill Paxton is definitely bringing this guy in. But Bob Peck, for somebody who's being charged for murder, is really mild-mannered and super calm. And as the movie kind of develops, they start introducing ideas that kind of were the Blade Runner comparisons come in. You know, there's a lot of question about breaking humanity down to its essence and, you know, I guess artificial consciousness. There's, there's so much to basically talk about with this thing. I mean, you've got the environmental stuff that kind of creates like the Mad Max vibe of this, uh, these sort of minor colonies that are separated by such big distance that the only way they can get around is through air travel. Not everybody has air travel, so these pockets of nomads kind of keep to themselves, and that's where you'll find characters like, uh, like. Ben Kingsley, who shows up, I think, is one of the uh, leaders of one of the nomads. And then you've got F. Murray Abraham, who shows up a little bit later. There's these pocket of nomads that are all dressed in full suits. And that they kind of are inhabiting what looks kind of like the Alexandria Library or some the Library of Alexandria or something like in Avatar, the last airbender whenever they go to like the earth kingdom library in the sand you know just these technically ruins but they've been adapted by people into something that's you know i guess a remnant of the world gone by and i don't know i feel like all of this stuff if i explain it to you out of order sounds really really good and yet the characters are so paper thin and the editing's kind of incomprehensible at times. There's a long stretch of time where it's just montages of dudes in planes. And I like dudes in planes as much as the next day. I shit, I watched Top Gun Maverick, and that was alright. But, like, after a while, you need to give me something. And, you know, Bill Paxton's doing a decent performance. He's being sort of, like, the annoying self that he was in Aliens, but none of the lines that he says are as memorable. He's, his character is also a little rapey and a little creepy. Uh, it's not it's, it's not the best look. And so as I'm kind of watching this, I feel of a similar mind that I do with, like, David Cronenberg's Scanners, where I appreciate the idea and theory and yet the execution is usually so kind of plotting and meandering that I kind of lose interest and I'm not really into the characters and at all. And it's one of those movies that I really do think could serve from a remake. I also, in kind of looking through the journey of this little movie, because I really was intrigued by like how something this, you know, packed with talent could really not go off so well. I think Gary Kurtz was one of the big you know, driving forces behind this thing, and he was going through some financial trouble. I believe technically the movie is in the public domain. I don't know if he had a kind of a snafu with copyright, which is why you could technically watch this movie for free on YouTube. I ended up watching it on Tubi in what looks like a letterboxed version of the film and it's super grainy you can tell that there are like cuts in the film and all over the place there's a 
some interviews. Actually, there's a full blown making of documentary of Slipstream on YouTube where the guys are uh, talking about how like they made this kind of stuff happen. And I think in that they mentioned that there are some action sequences that were taken out of the movie because the studio wanted something that was a little bit more family friendly. And that eliminated a lot of the context that I would need because sometimes the movie just feels like it's skipping through itself. It's it's almost like I have the DVD and I'm pressing the skip chapter button and then edit it to where those skips are just part of the DVD and didn't tell the second person who's watching it. And so I'm sitting there like, okay, why are you now going from being in this crazy dark windstorm to like a cave to now you're flying and you've ended up in this library and then you fly and now you're ended up in like a ballroom setting and you're just like, what is going on? Like what the actual fuck is going on? And there are conversations that are had where one of the more interesting ones that could be is between Bill Paxton and this other lady who he's trying to hook up with. And she's talking about uh, the body and how that kind of bores her. And the idea of the corporeal being something that's just diminishing returns over time, something that he wouldn't be able to understand. Uh, I'm kind of dancing around what this movie is really talking about. And I'm pretty sure you're going to be able to figure out as I'm talking about it, but that's uh hopeful i'm really trying to be vague about it because as frustrating as this movie can feel at times where there will be times where i straight up like fall asleep and then i have to like rewind the thing and watch it because at a certain point if you pass out and you get maybe about like five minutes later in the movie you have no idea what the hell's happening i really do think part of it is just because of the presentation of the movie that because you can't really find a good clean copy of it the way that you know Lisberger and Kurtz really wanted this edited that you don't really get the movie at full force. You get it at sort of like 70%. And I, it's another movie that I makes me think, man, I kind of wish this were a novel or I wish this were a mini series where you can kind of go into more of like, I really want to know more of the backstory of the world. You know, like what did we do? How did this completely you know, I'm I'm always interested in apocalypse like day one stuff, and maybe a little bit more context of that could happen. Sort of the stratification of the world. I know there are a lot of there are parts of the movie where you'll see people hanging out in a diner. They look like something out of Mad Max, and they have sort of like this '50s by way of. They almost look like Fallout characters. But then you'll flip to like a village that looks Peruvian and it like Bill Paxton does not fit at all, but he's technically from there. And it looks like something out of like Exorcist to the Heretic or like Indiana Jones movie. And then you'll cut to these people in like full dress suits. And you're just like, what? None of these things visually kind of connect in my mind or don't really have the same kind of flow. And so as a result, because I don't really know the context for everything, I'm kind of just like letting it wash over me. And there are some movies where that can work as just like a vibe, as just an experience. In this one, I found myself really confused, especially because the movie is called Slipstream. And it's so about the, it's so like focuses on the idea of flying from place to place. Like, I don't know, for all of that, to also talk about like artificial consciousness and to also talk about 
how, uh, you know, to have like a redemption arc about like morality and talking about like when it's okay to kill versus not. And like all of these philosophical questions that are laden within this sci-fi world building that really isn't there. I just found myself kind of distant from it all. But the one guy that fucking shines, of course, is Mark Hamill, who is just hamming it up. Please ignore the pun. <laughs> hamming it up as this guy who is obsessed with taking out his target all at, no matter what. He's kind of looking like Kiefer Sutherland in The Lost Boys with the platinum blonde haircut and he's not nearly as cocky too there, there's something to him that's kind of like bored with the whole affair like he's bored of chasing bill paxton and like he really is giving it like maybe half his effort that he really could if he wanted to but uh i just like the way he's carrying that swagger it's just got that, I don't know, he's got that je ne sais quoi about him. And it's Mark fucking Hamill. Like, you look at him, and immediately you know he's fucking badass. Uh, some of the violence in this movie actually worked out pretty well. The action sequences sometimes are edited comprehensively. But again, Mark Hamill sells, the sells like, whatever he's shooting at Bob Peck and Bill Paxton. Like, he's really fucking going for it. Uh, I don't know, just some stuff that I thought was neat. There's also some, like, really wild, like, what the actual fuck is going on moments, which I think kept me awake throughout most of it. A lot of it to do with Bob Peck and this character that he meets later that's kind of, like, his love interest. A lot of their stuff I thought was sweet, but also just kind of weird as fuck. A lot of, a lot of the stuff that happens regarding love interests in this movie is weird as fuck and weird as fuck and sometimes rapey, sometimes creepy, other times bizarre. Uh... Yeah, I just, there's, it's one of those movies that you kind of just have to watch to understand what we're talking about, and it could be a lot worse. It could be actively annoying, but the production design is well done. Let me see the production designer here real quick, because I did notice that they had like a really big uh, career, not necessarily with Slipstream, but they've... Uh, Ben production designer in some movies that I've actually really liked. God, Ben Kingsley's in this. I can't, I still can't get over that. I didn't recognize him at first. Maybe it's because he wasn't bald. Uh, let's go down here. Production design by Andrew McElpine. McElpine? McElpine, maybe. But he has actually worked on Jane Campion's The Piano and let me see what else he's done because i remember looking at this being kind of stunned uh yeah as recently as like 2022 like rosalind the caitlin dever uh romeo and juliet spinoff he's got stuff like uh <laughs> like aeon flux and education just the beach flubber the piano like he's done a decent chunk of like solid work hell he was production designer on like sid and nancy that's that's memorable to me and so there's a lot of again there's a lot of people doing stuff in this that's pretty neat like i do like the production design of this as crazy as the different environments are i like the way that they're built i it feels to me like these are at least separate nomadic uh tribes built by you know whatever circumstance and 
stuff that they have. There are some people in the movie that sort of worship the slipstream as a god. And so watching that part of the movie did kind of give me that sort of Indiana Jonesy, like sort of mystical feeling, maybe of like Temple of Doom. And that stuff was kind of neat. And I remember looking at that stuff going like, you know what? In another movie where the script, I think, was a little bit tighter and or if the script were either tighter or if this were stretched out to a length where I had a lot of the context and details to really flesh out characters and story, I think I dig it. So do I recommend this movie with a grain of salt? You've got to be a person, one, who is really interested in this specific era of sci-fi. Just this uh, pre-Jurassic Park post uh, Blade Runner style of sort of this high con I guess this big world building sci-fi that's a little bit mixed in with sort of like that fantasy heft of like really wanted to mythologize a world and go for it uh it's also I think for people who'd be like fans of like Schwarzenegger movies I can't explain why I think it's maybe just because of the sort of like big action set pieces that pop off of this thing but uh, if you really like practical effects, if you like seeing models at work, if you want to play along with like some really rough CG, with uh, some really rough visual effects of the time, if you're charmed by that kind of thing, I think that you'd end up liking this movie. And again, if you want to see Mark Hamill, you know, like do some like cheesy one-liners with the intensity of a Shakespearean trained actor, then yeah, go for it. Watch this movie. It's really easy to find on YouTube, on Tubi. And ultimately, as I've kind of dived back into the history of this thing, I originally was going to say, like, damn, Dakota, why'd you recommend this? But you know what? I'm glad I took the time. I'm glad I saw this thing. Even if I'm not a big fan of it, I'm glad that it's something I reviewed. So, yeah, that's it. Thank you, Dakota, for bringing me, bringing me something unique to my radar. And if you... And thank you all for listening to another episode of The Movies. Please leave a review of the show on Apple Podcasts. If you have anything to say, just leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and I'll read it on the next episode. You can follow me on Twitter at TheMovies underscore pod, Instagram at TheMoviesPod, Letterboxd, Daniel underscore Berrios. All of that is going to be in the description. And until next time, I've got a closing song from a band that I don't often listen to, but sometime today just felt right this is called i could give you all that you don't want by the twilight sad good kind of pure gothy shoegazy feel and um you know take care of yourselves take care of each other and take care of the movies we'll see you next time